In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. Okay, welcome to episode five of RPGs and Baby Makes Three. Rob Hessler here with Gretchen Hilmers, the luminescent Gretchen Hilmers. This is an art on the air, Rob. Yeah, but you're I, I mean, But I, I, I feel like I need a different persona for for this. Like, I, I mean, am I still luminescent here? I don't know. Well, I thought he was referring to the fact that the, the computer monitor kind of lights you up a little bit, but I don't know. <laughs> and that third voice that you're hearing <laughs> is Bianca Buri Rodriguez, and she is our special guest for this entire episode. We're going to have Bianca here talking about a number of different things, and especially actually her note-taking ability and a D&D program that she does at the library and is involved in. And I think that's a kind of a cool thing that other people might be interested in hearing about. Um, so actually, why don't we get started here? Let's roll for initiative. They see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Let's roll. Roll for initiative. Roll for initiative. We're going to talk about what we've had our week in gaming here. So, I mean, why don't we ask you, Bianca? You're our, you're our guest of honor this week here. What's your week in gaming been like? Because actually, I think the three of us have some pretty significant crossover here, considering we play in games together. We do indeed. Um, my week in gaming... Okay, so... I for for anybody who's paying, who's um, been been following the podcast, um, any time that they mention the Dragonlance game and they mention Eddie, who is a knight, um, that's actually me. Hi. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I I have already disappointed everyone forever. Oh, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Badness. No, it's um, I I play Eddie, who's a human knight in the uh, Dragonlance Uncharted game. And then this past Saturday, we played the Ravenloft game, which is run by a mutual friend of ours, Amanda. Uh, I, in that game, I play a half-elf investigator named Edmund Resnick. And then I participate in a third game, which is run by uh, the, the LIVO Public Library System. And in that one, I play an elf cleric. It's it's a D&D 5e. And with that one, I play an elf cleric named Vadanian Nightbreeze. So, nice. So you were going through the same insanity that I was also recently, <laughs> where you're playing 2nd Edition, Pathfinder, and 
5th edition all simultaneous. That I am impressed with your grasp of the rules because I tell you what, it is like we switch from the game to game and it's like, oh my god, it's so impressive. With now, okay, a bit of history with me. I was first introduced to D&D with second edition. Um, that was actually, technically we got a couple of, my brother got uh, a board game. My brother is like three years older than me. He got a board game and then we were like, oh, this is really cool. And then we ended up finding out, oh, there's a thing called Dungeons and Dragons. We got the Dungeon Master Guide, but we didn't know that we were supposed to also get the Player's Handbook. So for years, we didn't have a Player's Handbook. Uh, no, you can only be a, a cleric or a thief or something. And it's like, okay, but we're missing like half the rules and we don't realize it. But um, so there was there was a bit of that. And then... I ended up getting introduced to Pathfinder because Amanda was like, hey, we're going to start running uh, Pathfinder Society. Did you want to Did you want to join? And I was just like, regular game? Cool. Sign me up. Oh, it's a new system. Okay, I can do this. And then 5th edition, like, yeah, 5th edition is part of it. Like, I got really used to the rules by watching Critical Role. I know that they take liberties with some of the rules, but for the most part, it's very simple to just grasp, okay, this guy is trying to figure out if this other dude is lying. He's rolling an insight check. Okay, and then even looking at the character sheet, it's like, oh, insight takes wisdom. Yeah, these two together. Is there a proficiency bonus? No, then it's just this. So it's... I love 5th edition for that. Actually, it's so... It is really easy to pick up. And I know people will say it's like oversimplified and stuff. I mean, they're the, that's kind of the criticism. But I actually think it's, I mean, to me, it feels like D&D. I mean, I play d and I played all these editions of the game. And like, I love 5th edition. I think it's great. I mean, and, and you know, what I've, <laughs> I was telling Gretchen the other day is that, you know, I play, I've played in some 5th edition games and I don't really know how to play 5th edition in the sense that I haven't like the previous games sat down and read the rule book. What I've done is I've made characters on D&D Beyond and it gives you all of the information you need to play that character and I know how to play D&D so like I can play my character and I know enough of the rules to go ahead and do that and like that's I think that's one of the reasons why it's been so successful is like you can just pick it up just like that. You don't need to know everything to be able to play. One of the one of the very interesting things about D and D is nine times out of ten, the reason you're getting into D and D is not because you saw the you saw this massive tome at your friendly gaming store. You it's because somebody said, "Hey, do you want to do you want to come play with us on Saturday?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure, rock on." So it's very much here. Come here. Okay. Now do this. Now do this. This is how this is how you make you know what? Here. We made a character. Just play try this out. See how you like it. And then, okay, you kick open the door and goblins. Everybody roll for initiative. What's that? Okay. Pick up your 20-sider. Not that one. That's 12-sided. Not that one. That's 10-sided. There's the there's the D20. Cool. Roll that one. Now, see the number on there? Uh six. Okay. Now check on your sheet there should be something that says initiative what's it say there plus two yes your initiative is now eight but okay so what do i do with that don't worry i've got it covered 
it's it's very much you learn in steps. Most people learn how to play D&D by playing the game rather than reading the book, which actually is a great way to really learn almost any game. Like I, we learn board games that way and such. The only thing is, is that eventually you want to read the rules because a lot of times people mm -hmm. don't, they actually play the game wrong because people like, are, it's always word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth, and people don't read the book. Look, and then, look I'm just going to throw this out there. Have any one of us actually read, I, I'm sorry, I'm saying the M word, Rob. Have any one of us actually read the rules for Monopoly or do we just play the way that we've been taught? Because <laughs> it's a lot different. From what I understand, it's pretty different from the way we actually play if you read the rules. I don't know. I don't play Monopoly. I burn it in the fireplace because it's terrible and a piece of crap game. It's the worst board game in the history of board games. We're talking about our weekend game. I will never talk about Monopoly. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I um, know. I said the M word. I know. I know. Monopoly is the worst game. Okay. I don't want to go. But it's a much. universal game. We've all played that horrible game. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you think that Monopoly is a good game, shut it off. Unsubscribe. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't, don't pull the cord so soon. No, I swear. It, it's good. I promise. Not, not, not Monopoly, not the M word. I'm talking about the podcast. No, the Wait, please. Monopoly is because Monopoly is the fun of the mon of Monopoly is the first half an hour to 45 minutes of the game where you're going around the board and you're buying properties. The rest of the game is a slow drain. It's a slow drag of that is completely based on, I mean it's essentially based entirely on luck you roll you move around the, the board and you either get money or you don't get or you lose money based on the luck of a dice roll and eventually and it's just it takes and it takes four hours to play the game and like who wins? Nobody, I mean, like somebody, the person that wins is just like the, the one that bankrupts everybody. Like, I mean, it even sends a message. It's like, we don't all work together. We just like destroy each other. And then in the end, like, you know, there's all these properties that are mortgaged and there's all this derelict property. And there's like somebody who has owned these hotels on Boardwalk and Barclays. I mean, it's just the worst game. <laughs> So you're saying it's like D&D, &D, but it's horrible and wrong. <laughs> well, D&D, &D, you play... Well, no, yeah, but you roll your dice, and based on your luck, you win, or, or, you, or you lose, or you lose. Come on. I mean, yeah, there's some similarities. It's a game. You roll dice? I don't know. There's a similarities because there's a game and you roll dice? That's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, it can also be very painful to sit through a session, too. Well, it's probably as painful as it is to listen to this podcast right now as we cackle about <laughs> Monopoly. All right, how about this? Let's get into the meat of the show. We've talked a little bit about our weekend. The beef, if you will. Yeah, the, we're going to get into the beef of the show, and <laughs> let's go ahead and make a proficiency check. Hey, 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 what's going on? We look at the person through the peephole. You talking to me crazy? Maybe if I get lucky, we get a little action adventure of our own going, you know what I mean? Proficiency check! Yay. Okay, proficiency check. We are going to be talking about, this is one of the reasons why we reached out to Bianca, because as mentioned in the first little segment there, Bianca plays as a player in my game, and I've also kind of, we've interacted and been players in other games together 
for a number of years and you are amazing at taking notes. You have Oh my god. You, you so crit succeeded on your on your proficiency check for taking notes. I, I don't know. It's just amazing. And we posted up some of these images of your notes up on the RPGs and Baby Makes 3 Facebook page. And we'll post them all as well on the Patreon and, and everywhere that we can because they're really fantastic. So just kind of give an idea of like what is, first of all, what made you start taking like these really intricate notes? Is it just part of your life or how did you get into it as far as the game goes? As far as the game goes, okay, so I've mentioned previously that I got into Pathfinder Society, which is basically, it's everybody meets on a Saturday, or, well, for us it was a Saturday. Um, it can be any day of the week, and basically it's supposed to be drop-in sessions. These are, are self-contained stories that are four to five hours long. You, you're playing your character that you've, that you've developed over different game sessions, and then you achieve objectives or you don't achieve objectives. And then by the end of it, you get a chronicle sheet saying, this is all the, the treasure that you found, and this is all the money you earned. And when, when Pathfinder Society was first starting in Savannah, it was very much, we were literally at one of the, one of the people's like dining tables and we didn't really grow i mean it was the same people playing the same characters john would john the the dungeon master he would pick out different scenarios it could be a one-off scenario it could be a two-parter a three-parter it could be any anything and because we were playing the this specific set of characters it was perfectly fine it was just keep on going but then Oh, well, I wanted to run this new this new scenario, but you guys have already leveled out of it in one to five and you guys are level seven. And it's like, oh, well, I guess that means we have to make new characters. Yeah. The other character, like the original character that we've been playing, they're just off doing something else and you have a new character. Well, some people can have like maybe seven characters and and it's just like, okay, seven seven different characters is hard to keep track of. Um, Amanda had as many as 30. I ended up getting as many as 19. Jesus. Oh my god. Holy shnike. <laughs> oh my god. Amanda, now Amanda, her her way of organizing was that, you know those big yellow envelopes that has the, it folds over on the top and it has the little brad or something with the, with the string that you can tie it closed? Yeah. She had one of those for every single character. It would have her notes, it would have her character sheet. If it was a caster, it had all of her spells. It had any, any little note cards that she took for any weird abilities that she had. And I was just like... That's really good, but that's a lot. And so I ended up getting like a medical, like a medical um, accordion case from like Goodwill for like five bucks or something, and I used that. But with each of those, with each of those things, you can have notes. And it was okay. Well, my first character is a half elf gunslinger. Okay, but. A half-orc alchemist, an elf alchemist, um, a halfling ninja, a rat folk wizard, who's actually part of uh, my Ravenloft character's backstory, which is, I thought it was a cute little Easter egg for myself. Um, nobody cares, but it was just like, oh, this is cute. I care. Um, I care. I, yeah. Aw, thank you. 
a human paladin, a human paladin in the core only game, a human bard in the core only game, you know, and it's, it's keeping track of all of this is like, oh God, okay, who played in what scenario for how many cookies? I just, how? So in some of the notes that I've already sent you, you'll see that one of them, I believe, has thorn, the word thorn keep on top. That was the name of the scenario. And then you'll see a list of names. There's the list of, there's on the left-hand side, there's usually the list of the players' names, and then the list of their characters' names, and what the heck the character is. Because if I'm going to a con, and I'm meeting up with Bob, and Bob, oh, hey, you're that guy who was, who was playing that half-elf sorcerer that we hung out. We hung out together. It was great. Oh, hang on. What character was I playing with? Ah, that's my rat folk wizard. I'm bringing him again. Let's go. And so there's those, there's those connections where I don't see this guy but once a year. But I remember that scenario. And if I am... Part of it is that if I am writing it down... I remember it better. It'll, some, you can, there's a couple of those pages where all I've written down were really funny quotes. <laughs> nice. Just, it was just, there's times when it's just like, this, this, this thing means absolutely nothing. It's, we're just a bunch of grab, beep, dick, buttheads or something. And we're, we're just, we're just messing around and having I'm sorry, fun. Did you just say grabby dick buttheads? Nope. I said beep. I said beep because I was trying to not be a potty mouth. I don't know. I kind of feel like that sentence just needs to be out there in the world. <laughs> okay. It was it was grab stick assholes, so I was trying to beat myself, but there you go. You can totally beat me now. It's great. It's great. But yeah, it's it's trying to keep all those details straight. I have a human a human oracle who ended up becoming a paladin and she's just she's just tired. I am the designated divine support for this assignment. If you run away from me, I'm not chasing after you. Stay put. Stay here. That poor woman has been, she's been through, she watched Haru's Bexy right in front of her. She drowned a couple times. She hit on a really cute chick. Another NPC thought she was super hot. But I needed to write those down or else it was just going to be in one ear and out the other. So it's Yeah, that sounds, I mean, I can see that like with the challenge like uh, of, of playing all these different characters, like coming back to it and that kind of getting you into into um you know into note keeping and i think you know what's interesting is like I, when you were talking about how you take notes i was kind of reflecting you know i was like thinking to myself oh i don't really take notes but i actually do i take very detailed notes as you know when i run my game i mm -hmm. take these little notes where it's not the same style but what i do is i have a so when i'm running a game i take a, a i have a notebook and it's just for the game that i'm running Dragonlance Uncharted, for example. And I take a page and I write what session is at the very top of the, of the page. And then I write a person's name mm -hmm. and their character name right next to it. And then I go down three spaces, person's name, character name, three spaces, person's name, character name, go all the way down the line. And then that takes up just about half of the page. And then 
as the game is going along and people do or say stuff that's you know they if they if they do something that's interesting or you know i was just because thanks to bianca i just kind of redid all of my xp to try to figure out where i actually am with tick tick and mm -hmm. so i got to go back through all of the session xp and the quotes and the little scenarios that you have written down i mean i don't know how many times i almost started laughing or giggling to myself because it brought back such a memory of that game and what we were doing and i was you know I, more than a few times i was like did i really say that well and that's that's such a good that's exactly what i was kind of getting at is that like so i make those little quotes and those little funny moments and then also really poignant moments or when people do in, like really incredible things like you know Addie when she was on the back of Cedric and 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 hit that that critical hit strike on the giant with her lance and like what that all ended up being and so I write that one after another every there's a page for every single thing and then the bottom half of the sheet is other little notes so like I take little notes it might be you know monster hit points or it might be you know, you run into NPCs, I make something up, or one of you says something that I'm like, well, I'm going to use that later. And so I'll make the little notes. And Gretchen's right, is that now I have this notebook, we've played 45 sessions, each one is a page, and it's not crazy notes. It's not like it's so time consuming that I can't be paying attention to running a game, but it's enough that as Gretchen said, it almost it tells the story of the campaign through those little quotes and through those little and it's always the best moments that I write down. Like, you know, the ones that are kind of like when people say something really funny or people say something really poignant or do something really cool or it's always those moments. And so like it it's that you know what and what's so great about that, and I'm hearing you talk about your notes too, is like like it's so easy to forget how wonderful our imaginations are in the moment when we're playing a game and like how cool these games are when they're happening because they're fleeting they're like in the moment you're there you're in the character and it's so easy to just like as time goes on you just kind of can you can forget you can forget it's at least i can forget especially as a parent i mean like with a child it's easy to forget stuff i mean so, i forgot what we had for dinner oh no now i remember yeah <laughs> okay it was good potatoes it was good scallop potatoes that were delicious oh. <laughs> but it's like yeah i mean like that's what's uh, that's it's that's one of the things i admire about your notes too is that like you know i was reading over the notes that you sent to me and i was laughing at some of them because there was just these like funny you know quotes and these little things and you how you're talking about it and it's like it's almost like i can picture your story you know like i can read your notes and although it's i'm not gonna get all of it it's like you're telling me your story like just by by doing that and like it's saving in a way it's like same we're we're practicing storytelling as like people like this is as as old-timey as like original fiction as it gets and like this is a chronicle of that mm -hmm. and one of the things with notes is that you can also 
as I was looking through my notes and as I was trying to, to pick and choose which ones to send and which, because some of the some of the stuff that I sent you wasn't even like the entire page. It was just, oh, hey, sometimes you really can just draw little things in the margins and go, this is this is something that happened. And the the, the, the massive snake that was coiled around Tick Tick when we were in the in the the wizard's laboratory. Like, yeah, it was it was a terrible like stick figure drawing, but you could still hey look, I stabbed it and, and Tick Tick was in the thing and it was oh, yeah, I gotta I gotta die. save my tick. He he did not die. He he was saved and he is okay. He is everybody is okay. But yeah, my with my notes, it's I want to write down the really important stuff. The like my own kind of like here's here's a way of notation. The the asterisks are something happens. The plus sign is some th this thing that happens relates to the thing that happened. Like Atskell enters the door to the north, and then plus sign, uh, Addy is right behind him, or Addy is just like, are you? Are we sure? Uh, oh oh, did we want to open the? Oh okay, well Atskell did it. Um okay, hi. hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it it appears to be empty or something like that, you know, because it's that's kind of well, you know, to take it a one even one step farther, which is, I think is really interesting too, is that, and and this might be a tip that that other DMs GMs might consider is that I give a, a an experience bonus for people to to make a journal, right? And I I wonder I kind of feel like you might make a journal anyway. You're a very talented writer, and so your 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 journals are so they're beautiful. They're wonderful journals. I love the stories about Addie, and it feels very it feels like you've read the novels. Like I really feel like you you know Dragonlance, and she definitely feels like a living, breathing Knight of Salamnia to me when I read those journals. But what my point being is that I is I give an experience bonus for people to write these journals, and so people recount what happens in the game in the last week or you know in the last session right and some people are more committed to it than others as far as how much effort and energy that they put into it but if you look at it mm -hmm. and we all share it on this facebook group that we've created for dragonlance mm -hmm. my xp chart which is my notes you know that i that i give out in my little notes it tells part of the story but then like you can if you want to learn more of the story you can read these journal entries and it expands so greatly on that little note that I have there that it like makes it seem like these are like really are like they feel like living, breathing characters, like things are happening. And what's cool, too, and we're going to have them on the on the podcast in a future episode is one of our other players, Brian. He does drawings for his journal. So his character is a ranger druid. So he's not really like the kind who would write in a journal. So he plays it like his character has a sketchbook. And Brian is a very talented artist in real life. And so he does sketches of the things that you guys come in contact with. So like every piece of the players putting their collective information into this, it creates almost like this even greater kind of notes, I guess you might say, about the game. And it's really cool. I mean, I love that. Yeah, Brian's artwork is like like when he when he posts a new a new okay here's here's the picture of for this week, um, it's just kind of like oh man what did he do this time, 
uh, when you, you mentioned earlier about um, about Addie about Addie on her on her horse Cedric uh, taking on that hill giant, and it was and and it was it was a quick character moment, but it was just kind of like she was at nineteen hit points. If this dude threw another rock at her, she was going to go down. She had already taken a potion of heroism, and it was just like, okay, this is my do or die moment. If she goes down, I am okay with this, because this is how she would want to go down. And so I had to stop for a second, and I felt a little weird doing it, but at the same time, it was like, she would pray. She's she's a knight. She, she hasn't even become a knight yet. She was still a squire, but she needed to pray. And after that session, I was just gobsmacked to see that that Brian's that Brian's drawing for the week was her lance, because it became a magical lance. And it's it's got like a plus three versus giants, and it's just like, oh my god. It's it's something that makes something even more special. Just just like oh, wow. Yeah, oh that's God. another thing, and I'll just kind of follow up on that so people understand. It's I do a thing called legacy weapons in my game, where if something special happens, or if somebody does something like rather than necessarily using the rules, because I think of like for example, if you are you know you're thinking about these ancient weapons by these like famous characters or whatever like i don't necessarily think that they didn't like have some wizard forge them some special weapon or enchanted it's like it became special because of what they accomplished in their time so i look at it like that and if yes that lance Addie's lance being special against giants because that moment was really important in the game but it was also just like it like you made it like that i remember that prayer that was very poignant and so and the point being is that I wrote in my notes, prayer to the three gods, you know, like that was in my notes for the for that session. Like, and uh, when I was writing like the little XP kind of kind of bonuses for for um, for role playing. And so like that was in my story, too. Like, so I can look at that in 10 years and remember, oh, man, remember that really cool moment when like Addy was a strider horse and it was like. Were they going to win? Were they going to lose? This is the biggest battle so far, and it, you know, it, it's going to remind me of that, and that's really cool. That's such an awesome thing about notes. And you know, like I said, you do a great job of notes. It's funny because I, I saw your notes for the Compass Knights, and I was like, oh my god, man, her notes are so good. I'm, I got to remember this I never, stuff. <laughs> I, I never, I never played Compass Knights. Oh, not Compass Knights. I almost I mean, yeah. did. Oh. Yeah, yeah, uh, not Compass Knights for the uh, for the Dragonlance game. I saw your notes for the for the Dragonlance game, and I'm like, man, she's putting a lot of pressure on me to remember stuff. So, <laughs> but that's and good though. I think what we're also kind of trying to to go for here is when you can't play consistently, having these notes allows you to continue the life and adventure of your character without really having to struggle or pause. And I think that that's really important because, you know, I'm not someone who takes notes and I'll, I've gotten lazy. I'm like, all right, yeah, you know what? Bianca's on this, which is fair to you. So I have started taking some notes, but it was just, you know, when I started realizing how in depth your notes were, I was, 
really blown away. Like I didn't realize that anyone was out there doing quite this level of of work uh, outside of playing the game itself. And you know, Rob's right. I mean, the the way that you write your creative writing, I mean, it's a good thing that you take these notes because you incorporate all of these little minute details into it. And, um, you know, it's, it's really fascinating. And yeah, I mean, now to be fair, I, I did take notes in high school, but there was one, I was a history major uh, for my undergrad. Yeah. And you're a librarian now, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I got my bachelor or my master's in library science in 2010. But when I was going for my undergrad, I was just going like, you know what? History is easy. I, I seem to be doing well in those classes. That was because those were very easy classes that I didn't have to think too hard. And there was one professor. He is Dr. Tedesco. Um, I don't know if he is if he's still teaching at um, Armstrong, which is now part of Georgia Southern, or if he has retired because, my God, he deserves to retire. But he his classes, when he's teaching like Civ 1 and Civ 2 and, and, and those very basic kind of classes, the second that the bell rings, he goes, you better keep up. That's that's how I am just oh god oh god okay he just mentioned a date I can't remember okay mm-hmm. and then when the when the bell rings again the, the class is over that's it he he's a wonderful guy and he will totally help you out but it was very much going into his classes that was just that was really the genesis of of it's anybody who's looking it's just it's bullet style but there's asterisks, there's plus signs, there's dashes, there's sometimes there's indents in order to, to definitely show something. It's not consistent, but it gives me a visual of, ah, okay. I know that there's one page that I scanned that was my attempt to actually keep the indents going and actually visually keep keep the information together. And it was related to an NPC named Korn Varagast that Atskael was was talking with. And I ran out of room so fast. And it was just like, it's great visually, but it was just like, ah. Uh. Yeah, because so it gets tighter is... and tighter as it goes down the page. And yeah, that was... Uh... It's interesting, though. I mean, I think that, like, you know, just to kind of wrap up this segment here is that as Gretchen mentioned, it's like, you know, a lot of our listeners here, you know, parents and such like that who might be, you know, getting interested in, and we had a segment on last, last episode, we had Amanda Plegman was our guest on the show. And we talked about organized play. You've talked about organized play today. And as Gretchen said, and as you said, it's like, you might not get a chance to play, but once a month, if you're a parent and you're trying to navigate all of that stuff. And it's like, if you can keep good notes, it won't feel like you're distant from your character. You can still get into it. Even if you're playing with totally different people at a totally different table, your character will have a story that really makes sense and connects. And I think I'm going to share my notes as well. So you've got your notes and my notes and it doesn't really matter. You come up with your own style, whatever works for you. But I think both of us tell a story, you know, with the notes. I want to share my notes too. Yeah. I want to see Gretchen's notes. It's pretty. Actually, you can see. 
Gretchen's notes on the RPGs and Baby Makes Three Facebook page as Little Lincoln grabbed and tore a piece of it off of her notebook. You know, the funny thing about that, though, is there were no notes on the piece that he tore off so it looks like i don't take notes so like eh, it kind of works <laughs> like Gretchen's notes are so minimal and maybe you don't see them well the the beauty of notes is that if you just need a couple words in order to remember this entire segment then that's all you need to write down i just itemize everything because it's like i want to remember everything well, let's move on to our next segment. If you have stories about your notes or you want to share some stuff about uh, your notes with us here at the podcast, you can email us at rpgsandbabymix3 at gmail.com. We would love to hear and see what kind of notes you put together. And if you send us an email, we may just share that on the show. Let's head into the common room. Hey there. Welcome to the common room. Send anywhere you like. Welcome to the common room. Of course, our guest this week is Bianca Burry Rodriguez, and we are going to be talking in the common room this episode about the library D&D program that you're involved with. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I don't know a lot about this. Only what our last guest, Amanda Plegman, told me on the last episode. But what is the program all about? Give us some details. Okay, so... With library with library D and D programs, they've actually been going on a surprisingly long, like a, a surprising amount of time. I remember, oh uh, gosh, I work at the Southwest Chatham Library in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, feel free to pop on by. I'm upstairs. I'm one of at least four people there right now. It's 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 pretty cool. I mean, COVID's still a thing, and your your time will be restricted in the library. I apologize, but we're there. And when I was, like, so this would have been, gosh, like 10 or 11 years ago, when the Southwest Chatham Library was, was opening and it was, and it was like the, the new shiny toy that everybody wanted to, to look at, I ended up finding online, online journals like, like WordPress or something of people who ran D&D games at their libraries for customers. And the premise was basically... I mean, there are different ways that you can do it where it's, oh, you sign up in advance, you register in order to, to save a spot, and, or, and we have to cycle out, or, or we just take all comers, that kind of thing. But basically, it's you come, you play, and, and it's intended to help you learn how to play D&D if you're not already, if you're not already like good at playing D&D. But it also becomes an ongoing storyline that you can join. Or, ah, uh, I can't make it this week. So, you, we, we don't see you, and we're really sad that you can't make it, but then you come back, and it's like, oh, hey, you're, you're back. It's great. So, most of the articles that I found of different library games were running it as an ongoing storyline. So, I was just like, okay, well, we, I, I could go ahead and do that, too. My boss at the time, when I was initially floating, the idea was like, ah, you're part-time. I cannot spare you for four hours. You're going to have to find a volunteer. I couldn't find a volunteer until 2019. 
we had a very generous volunteer, uh, John Perry, who who offered his time. He ended up running running Waterdeep Dragon Heist and Dungeon of the Mad Mage for us. And then uh, starting around December, the holidays happened. He wasn't able to keep to to keep volunteering his time, and so in the game essentially kind of laid fallow. And then one of the players ended up sort of taking it over and going like, you know what, let's let's try this again. And we'll probably get a new crop of a new crop of players. And he started up again. It was Waterdeep Dragon Heist and uh, Dungeon of the Bad Mage. Right now we are. Oh gosh, I think we're on the third level. Yeah, we're on the third level of Dungeon of the Mad Mage. There are four players, and the the dungeon master had to switch just because of, of time constraints, and we found a new volunteer and stuff like that. But there's there's four players, uh, including myself, because they they want to. The branch manager wanted to have the person who the the library staff member who is in charge of the program be participating in the program, so that it's like, hey, if a brand new person shows up, you can go ahead and show them how this works and how. It, how initiative works and all that kind of stuff. So it's D D is a way in order to teach team building and tactics and and conflict resolution as well as as storytelling. And I mean, we've seen the effect ourselves. And it's a way to kind of reach out to the community, be a total nerd, and and just just have fun. It's so funny because. I when when Amanda mentioned this, and I was kind of thinking about you coming on the show and talking about this. It occurred to me that I remember when I was a kid that my local library had D and D. You could play D and D at the library. And this was thirty year, you know, thirty plus years ago. I never played it, but I, uh, mm-hmm. I remember there was a kid who did play. A kid I knew who played D and D at the library, and I don't know, you know, I guess that would have been. What second edition era somewhere in there, maybe even before second edition era, and um, oh yeah, and you know it was, uh, and I remember, I, I remember, I, I don't remember much about it, but I do remember that you could just drop in. You didn't have to, you know, be any kind of, didn't have to make any real commitment. You could just drop in, play, and whatever. But you know, I, I and I was, I remember being sort of interested because back then I was into fantasy books and stuff like that. But I think I was probably too intimidated to to show up at a library and play, you know, when you're a kid, it's a little different, but you know, I think that, that this is really cool because I wonder, you know, you said you had a volunteer, but there's might be a really good opportunity. There's people out there who are listening, who are parents who maybe their kid wants to try some D and D and, and, you know, they could start a library program, you know, work with the local library and, and, and volunteer to, to do some DMing, bring their kid in and, you got a, 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 a group there ready to play because people will show up. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but um, before COVID, we actually had a consistent teen D&D program. It was just the teenagers. There was a teen volunteer. I coordinated with him in order to go, hey, are you guys going to be able to meet? Uh, can you drum, Can you drop by the reference desk and let, let me know when, when the room is finished and how many, how many attended the program? And he he was basically in charge. It was just it was just teenagers who who could do that, and they had a lot of fun. They were they were 
In terms of library programs, sometimes we don't get a lot of attendance just being for adult programs. Children's programs, we get all kinds of attendance all the live long day because parents are bringing are coming in bringing their kids because, you know, you always go to story time. You always you always go to the to the make and take graphs and stuff like that. And it's great. But for the adult programs, you don't have as much attendance just because anybody who's if you're working during the day and you can't make it or or you have different commitments or, or who knows. So the D&D program, both the teen and the adult programs tend to have higher attendance just because the, it appeals to the people. Oh, hey, there's a D&D program at the library consistently, like every week. Sign me up. How, how long is it? Four hours? Even better. Even better. And it's just like, yep. Oh, and we so have cool, people. too. Like, it's it's in a, a free, safe place. I mean, and that's what, I mean, like, and who doesn't want, I mean, like, it's the library. Like, what a positive place to be, you know? I mean, that that's what's so cool about that, too. You're not, like, you know, randomly finding some person on, like, meetup and showing up at their house. You're, like, at the library, you know? I mean, it's like it's a it's you, you can you can kind of be assured that you're in a good spot there you know and it's like you know not gonna give me any, any trouble your kids like at the library playing playing dnd it's a safe place and one of the things that i've often encountered in my own dnd groups has been where do we play i can't i can't host a buy house my house is a war zone uh we we're remodeling the kitchen or something like that and it's like nobody can host at their house at all so if you if you guys can meet at the library during library hours hey now the program started from on mondays from two to six just because of the volunteer but it's because of covid and because even while we were quarantined and on super lockdown we were still able to have the program so so even being cooped up in your house it's just like okay it's it's time for D&D let's go and i mean yeah zoom and discord and roll 20 and can can have kind of a a, a depersonalizing effect i guess you you're not like with zoom you can see people but you can't see the dice rolls with discord you can hear people and you can see the dice rolls but you can't see their faces so it can it can have some sensory issues with with people who need to be able to see and hear and interact, but being able to offer, hey, being able to offer virtual programming during a pandemic, that's that's money right there. If people are hearing this and they're interested in maybe trying to to get involved in like starting their own program wherever they live because obviously you know people aren't necessarily going to be able to stop by your library and talk to you about this you know maybe is there a way that we could put them in touch with you to offer some advice and assistance and like how to make that happen if anybody wants to try to contact me i know that i mean we can take phone calls of course and then <laughs> i've got i've got my work email basically we can you can go ahead and, and call the Southwest Chatham Library. Uh, that's area code 912-927-4079 and then ask for Bianca. Uh, I should be there most days because I work full time now. Yay. Nice. Um, yay. But um, yeah, even if, oh, we're really sorry. Today's your day off. 
they can still take a message and they and there were times when I was coming when I had a number of people who were interested before COVID happened where I would come back to my desk and there would be all kinds of stickies going like this person D&D this person this contact so that's yeah, awesome and people can also email us at rpgs and baby makes three at gmail.com if you'd like and we can kind of help facilitate this if you're interested because I think this sounds like such a great idea and it's such a great way not only to introduce people to D&D and the community and stuff like that but it's just it's very wholesome I mean I think it's a very wholesome and and you know just such a good positive kind of thing so I thank you for talking with us about it because I think it's really cool and and I've always been curious about the library D&D program so um that's neat that's really neat I will say one thing that I do miss that y'all haven't done in a while, and that was the mini golf inside the, the mini library. golf tournament. Yeah, yeah. we, we, we yeah. need to do that again because that's gaming too, you know. Or yes, sports. That is ball. That is totally gaming. Sports ball. Sports we ball. Love sports ball. Go score. <laughs> Make Yay. it happen. I mean, we're, we're not going to talk much about mini golf in the library, but I will just say this. If you're hearing this podcast and you, where you live has mini golf in their library, go because it is awesome. Oh my god, it is so much fun! <laughs> oh hey, I'm in the audiobook section. Ooh, is that the newest John Grisham? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's actually a kind of cool point because I know that when LAPL is back open. There is a, I mean, the kids section over there is really cool and that there's places for kids to climb in and read. And I never would have ventured into the kids section before. So I think it's a great way to learn what, what's going on at your library. And so maybe next time you could set up little <sighs> kiosks that show what the programs are, including one that shows that there's D&D happening there. Eh? Oh. Eh? We've, at, at Southwest... Chatham Library specifically, we have TV monitors, but they're they're kind of in odd locations. But yeah, but yes, I will I will definitely let people know to get hey by the way, and kind of get the kind of spread out the word even more. I love it. Well, let's move into our our final segment today: moans and groans. All right, folks. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not gonna do what everyone thinks I'm gonna do. Flip out, man. Look, look, I've got a major problem, okay? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. You have no power over me. Groans and moans. All right. Final segment of the episode, moans and groans. And we're going to be talking about, well, an interesting topic. Gretchen and I have brought this up in the episode episodes previously, but we never really devoted a segment to it. And that is metagaming. And when we were talking before the show about what we might talk about in the third segment with you, Bianca, I mentioned that this might be a good one because I think you're so good at not metagaming. And then, right when I say that, you talked about an example of when you did metagame. 
but it was in a positive way. So let's just kind of just talk about metagaming in general. So first and foremost, just kind of define it, and the three of us can kind of add to this um, you know, sort of definition. But I, I think of metagaming as when you are playing the game and you're in your character and you use information that your character does not possess to influence what your character does in the game. That's essentially, I think, the most basic definition of metagaming. And I think most people who have spent time gaming would, their probably visceral reaction to metagaming is, ugh, metagaming, bad. Right? I mean, most people kind of think of metagaming as being bad. But I think that there is some positives to metagaming. So let's kind of talk about this. Let's talk about maybe some positives and some negative examples. Gretchen, we have talked a bunch about metagaming. Um, well, why don't we actually kind of start, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds about a specific example, um, Bianca, but you were mentioning uh, about how sometimes when you're playing a game mm -hmm. and your character is a particular type of character and right. might disagree with what the rest of the party is gonna do right and if you want to stay in character and not metagame then the answer is to dig your go heels. off do something else leave the party cause conflict make issues right but if you are going to but that's this is the case where i think metagaming is good and that's that instead of going off and doing what your character would do you instead say my outside knowledge tells me that I should just let this go, go with the rest of the party because we're all in it together and we're just trying to have fun together and we're playing this game. So you put your own personality into the game to make the game sort of better and you put your character's motives to the side for a second and you used kind of an example of that. I don't know if you want to get into the details of that here, but... Okay, so my internal... My my priorities when I'm at the D&D table. I want to have fun. I want to have fun with the people who are at the table. And if my fun is... If my fun comes into conflict with the table's fun, I am going to side with the table. And then I would just take my characters, and again, just take your characters, figure out a way for the for your character to be able to go with the table's fun. Now, when you're in a when you're in a dungeon crawl, sometimes a dungeon crawl can be it's five rooms and it's done. the The five room dungeon you can you can Google it. And it's very quick. It's that's one of the things, but it's not very complex. And but when it lasts the, forever, yes, sometimes it can be. There can be so many moving parts that, and it can be so complex that it can it can feel like, oh wow, this haunted mansion. Let's let's go run around in it. But as time moves on when you when i start realizing that oh god how long have we been in here and then another player goes we've been here for for almost two months and it's like oh my god no wonder my 
no wonder I feel like my soul is being slowly sucked out of my body. <laughs> I don't. I. Oh my God. You hear I this, just, Rob? Ooh. You hear this? My. Mm, okay. I can, I can stick it out. Maybe we can find the exit. Please. Oh God, please. Well, and so, like, you know what's... Okay, so I'm just going to interject here, because we're we're talking about a game that I run, and I think that this is important. (laughs) um, because Because, no, but I think this is a really good... This is a great example of good metagaming. Mm -hmm. Because what it is, is that there is the natural flow of a game that can happen. And sometimes the natural flow is totally bogged down. Like, you can be in the flow of the game is stopped, mm-hmm. almost. And without metagaming out of it, it mm-hmm. can literally just last in perpetuity or way beyond fun. Like you said, like the key being, we play these games for fun. That's the number one reason why I play is to have fun. So when it right. starts to become a grind, I think that sometimes there's nothing wrong with saying, and in this example that you're giving... I threw out a couple hints. I could sense that people were starting to maybe be ready to get out of the mansion, the dungeon. crazy mansion, or the dungeon. It's a dungeon, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a dungeon, yeah. but you know how that fits. Right. 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 I could tell that people <laughs> were ready to move on. And so yes. I clarified some de- I didn't give any information you didn't possess, but I did clarify some details in order to give you a path to escape that would get us beyond this particular part of the adventure because I knew what was beyond this part of the adventure was a totally different experience for all of you. And it would open things up and things would breathe again and everybody would have a certain sense of relief. So I offered information that Mm -hmm. maybe your characters weren't thinking about in that moment and then, just to continue on, you continue on, because I know how you use that information was important. You know what? You ruined it for right. me, Rob. I thought we got out of there on our own merits. And you're okay. telling me that you had to help, help us okay. along. No, no, no. You ruined got out of no, there out no. of your own merits. But the problem is, is you think about this, and this is something that comes up in every game. And this, we're just having, we just had a huge segment on notes. We play once a week. For us as human beings, one week has passed where we have a one-year-old child and we have a job at the library and we have commitments to family and a dishwasher gets installed and all of these things happen for us in real life. It sounds oddly specific. But in the, but in the <laughs> game, it's been one minute. The players are like the characters are there and they're standing in front of the gate and then a week in real time passes. But for them, it's just like, it just happened. So they don't like, we might not be having it in the forefront of our minds, like the, a specific piece of information. So it's not that I gave you an, like I gave you an out. It's just like, I reminded you of information you knew and you had, but that wasn't right. necessarily in the fourth, you know, right in the front of your mind. So. Yeah. And then there's also the fact that I literally went back through my notes and actually looked through the, the, the moon calendars and stuff to, to see our objectives. Um, and it's been 10 
days. Like, it, it has literally been 10 days in-game since we started the beginning of the dungeon to the point that we are now. Oh, it's been 10 days. Jesus. It has it has been a month and a half for the players where we have all of these real life obligations and interests and and having to juggle all of this stuff. But for our parent for our characters it's been 10 days. And it's like, "Oh my god." And so so here's the thing. Because the Dragonlance game because Rob offers us experience points, like bonus experience points for in-character journals, it's, I, Bianca has no way, like, Bianca can see different players, like, I can, I can read the different players' journals and get a sense of where their characters are at, and then I can also write where my character is at, but my character has no idea idea what the the bard and the wizard are thinking she doesn't know that both of them are practically at the end of their rope and because i as a player don't know if that is just really good characterization in writing or if it's a manifestation of the player's frustration as well i'm thinking of the table's fun there was a choice. We could hit the eject we could hit the, the the ejection seat and get out of the damn plane, or we could stay in the plane and potentially get more information. But it wasn't a sure thing. Okay. So getting information sounds like a good idea. But that means we have to stay in this place. Could it be another month and a could it be another two months? Could it be even longer? Could we be spinning our heels because we get stuck on a puzzle? I, my soul was tired. I was so done. I already saw that two characters, not just my character, but two other characters were at the end of their rope. Yes, I metagamed. By the definition, I was using out-of-character knowledge in-character in order to affect my character's decision, but I pulled, I pulled the ejection seat. I needed a change of pace. At least two other characters needed a change of pace. And it just, ah, God, I can breathe again. Well, oh, and, and you know, what's funny is that, is that you mentioned that because, so, and the reason why we can define that as good metagaming too is because Although it caused some conflict with one of the players, I actually think that that's not really because of that. It could have been any impetus, and we won't get into that right now. But you escaped. We had the kind of rest mm -hmm. of that session. The following session, however, was one of the sessions. There was a renewed energy within the group between the the, the players who, like yourself and 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 Gretchen and and some of the others, where people were kind of like excited. And I was doing random encounters again, and I'm. I kind of take pride in the way that I do my random encounters and they're fun and they, I let the world be what the world is without me imposing my entire will on it. Like there's randomness to it. And so like it, right. And, and my random encounters aren't, and just to, for people out there listening, my random encounters are not, they're usually actually not combat encounters. For the most part, my random encounters are um, flavor encounters. There will be mm -hmm. things that are just kind of interesting features that happen or 
different things that can happen. And I could see when we were playing that people were renewed by the change of being in the dungeon to being still within the scenario, but out in the open in a place where they, like everybody felt like they could breathe again. And so you read the room right. That's the thing. And as an experienced gamer, we can read the situation. And I was reading it too. And as a DM, I was reading that it was time to get out of that place. Like we had spent enough time there. It was fun. It was interesting. And it was time to be done. You know, yes. what I mean? because it is meant to be fun. It's not meant to be a grind. It's meant to right. be fun. And, um, and so we moved out of it. And I think that's a good example of metagaming. And unfortunately, it also brought on a bad example of metagaming. Because oh. in that same scenario, one of the players who didn't get what they wanted, which was to continue to explore, got upset in real life and ended up taking it out on the other players by brooding for two sessions, essentially. <laughs> you know, brooding as a person. And also then their character did some stuff which I thought was out of character and was kind of payback for other in-character stuff. So I don't want to get into the details of that, but that's the bad part of metagaming. When something in real life bothers you and then you make your character do things to undermine or degrade the fun of the other people again i'm with you fun of the table is number one my own fun is right there with it and then kind of everything else comes playing my character you know what i mean enjoying the setting having delicious snacks while i'm playing the game that's also on my list i'm just going to say personally <laughs> <laughs> And the thing is, with the ideal table, you want the table fun to coincide with your fun. Make your fun part of the table's fun. If your fun can add something to the table, Matt Colville mentions when you're first creating your character, leave flexibility so that you can find out what goals you can, you can have in this game. I want these goals. I want to be able to do this. Oh, okay. Um, I finally, I finally, after 25 years of wanting to do this, I finally get to play a Salonting Knight. Yes. Good. Gimme. I read those books when I was 12. And I was just like, I loved Sturm Brightblade. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, Sturm is I probably awesome. had... I, I probably had bad taste just because he kept nagging everybody, but like, you know, you know I've reread them knight. recently. I've reread them recently, and he's a lot more multidimensional than I remembered him. Like, I found him to be, I thought he was super rigid, but I think that was my mm -hmm. young self not seeing all the gray that Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman wrote into that character. That now, as an older adult, I was like, Man, this character is really well developed, and it was like really. And I came to love Sturm again. But anyway, I don't mean to interrupt you there. No, no, no. It's it's like I literally have not read those books since I was twelve. Um, I ended up losing my brother's copy, and he was so pissed because it was a, a limited cover, like in a limited edition cover that had Sturm, Tannis, and the third one on the cover. Anyway, I digress. 
Right. It's probably Lorana. I mean, in that in that book, it would probably because that was the Golden General book where she's like that the mm -hmm. becomes a Salamic Knight and all of that. Yeah. But yeah, no, like so. Just to kind of hit on what you're saying there is like, and I and I kind of say this a lot of the time too is that so you're saying you find a way that your character's fun can match the table's fun, and that's so so important because there's a statement that people will say and it's kind of come up in the conversation amongst our group and that's that well i'm just playing my character and that's a terrible statement because there is no puppeteer there's no marionette who is lifting the strings of your character your character does what you decide your character is going to be and like in real life, when a situation is presented in front of us, there are many choices we can make. And we can decide to make the choices that make our interaction with the rest of the group easier so that way everybody can have fun. We can make those choices because there isn't a marionette. There's no DM god who says, D&D god who makes us do things. We do the things that we do based on our own choices. And, you know, I also want to interject here. I think there's a difference between playing your character and then understanding that you are an individual at a game playing a character. So while your character might be dark and broody and sulky, you don't have to be. You can interact yeah. because you were sitting at a table with your friends. You were there. You can make jokes and, and people understand that it's not your character. And I think when you say that you are so deep into a character that you are rooting at a table where it's making everybody uncomfortable out of character too, maybe it's time to kind of review what you're doing. Um, I, I think the, the bottom line is, is that this is a game and, mm -hmm. you know, there are tough situations that come up. There are different personalities. Things can get, you know, pretty tense in character. But out of character, you know, show that you're still cool. Like, that you're still here with your friends, that you're still wanting to have a good time, that it's still a game. Because this idea that I'm just playing my character, you know, I, I just, I don't, I mean, for me as a person, going somewhere and just being like, eh, for four or five hours, and and not realizing that this is how I'm spending my leisure time, it just kind of seems like why? Why are you doing it? I think you're. I hear what you're saying, Gretchen, and, and I think you're right. It's like you don't have to be brooding because your character is brooding. You don't have to be in person. You don't have to be brooding because your character is brooding. But I think you make um. You know, so you may. I love what you brought up about Matt Colville's. Don't put too much out there on and let your character be. And I'll think, and and so I play a character Gort in a game that mm -hmm. the three of us play in, which is a Ravenloft game. So it yeah. has characters from many different worlds. Gort is a Minotaur paladin of Kirijolith, which is kind of ironic because your Addy is currently a, a knight who is <laughs> whose patron is Kirijolith, and so we have that sort yep. of connection there. And yeah. so Gort is a a lawful good like knightly type character he has big sword armor all that very serious character right. but i metagame him and mm -hmm. i make jokes and i even do the jokes in his voice 
And maybe sometimes mm -hmm. people think I'm actually talking as Gordon. Maybe sometimes they don't, but I don't care because you know what? I want to have fun. I want to have fun at the game and being serious Gort, lawful good character who's kind of rigid as a character and maybe, you know, it's not only is it not fun for me to be that persona for, like Gretchen said, four hours. I don't want to sit there and be, you know, like grumpy for four hours because I'm playing a serious character. But I also, like, I don't want to, like, I just want to have, I want the people at the rest of the, at the table to have fun. So Gort being that way towards all of the other characters, it's a grunt, like, it's, it's, it's a downer. Like people don't want that. Don't want me being Grumpy Gort. Like it's not fun <laughs> for the rest of the players for for Grumpy Gort to even be a character. And well, I what I will say is that when I conceived of him, he was kind of gonna be Grumpy Gort. But then we started playing the game, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe not Grumpy Gort because it's not working. And guess what? There's no invisible strings holding my character and making him move in a certain way so instead i decide to change that our initial character concept just enough to fit better in with the group and like gort has no problem getting around getting along with everybody wouldn't you i mean like you know he's a lawful good paladin is he's ever like i shape him to be able to interact with we have like a sneaky slit your throat thief in our group and gort and him are friends because I'm yes. not overdoing it, you know? So, and I think that's the thing, that's where metagaming is good. You want to like work and like, there's that social contract, right? Right. And it's like with paladins, especially, paladins have always had a very strange relationship with other classes, just because when they were conceived for the Greyhawk supplement, they had a very, you have to be lawful. You have to follow this because you get a ton of powers at level one. Even in second edition, in fifth edition, well, okay, not fifth edition. You start getting your, your cool powers at like level two, but like level three, they really kick in. And okay, well, fifth edition is kind of bad in general, just because there's a lot more flexibility to, to how you can play a paladin in fifth, but Pathfinder... Uh, second edition, the the two games that we're talking about, it, the understanding is that you are going to play this. It is, it is a character that follows the laws, and it is a, a character who acts in the interest of good. You can play your your paladin as super law like lawful over good, or you can play good over lawful. But the the understanding is that you're a lot of people assume that it means lawful jerk face lawful asshole there we go i said it i said it it's okay it'll, it'll get bleeped i swear well, so there was a guy i played with who played a lawful good character i ran a game there was a guy who uh, who played in the game and he would always say lawful good doesn't mean lawful nice and his character yes. was what you would say lawful jerk face and he was awesome at playing that character but the mm. character sucked like you who wants to play with that character in the group you know what i mean like maybe there are groups that like that kind of intensive you know no holds barred like unwielding unbending kind of you know adherence to 
to character, but to mm -hmm. me, that's not my priority, and that's not the priority of most people I know that game. Most people I know the game, mm -hmm. they want to have fun. That's the point, is having fun. And and having somebody be lawful jerk face is not fun. It's not fun at all. It's just, you know, I just think that, again, you just, you, you aren't just your character. You aren't just showing up as your character. You're there as a person. Like, be, mm -hmm. you know, understand, read, read the room, read the room. Like, you can't, you have to kind of adapt. Adapting is very important with your, with, with your whole group. Yeah, and I mean, lawful jerk phase is like, and when I say lawful jerk phase, I realize I didn't really define my terms that well. I'm I'm talking about the kind of paladin who's like, you're a thief, and and I have to take you in because you're doing bad things. You're picking pockets and and unlocking doors and and then don't belong to your house. Or blah, worse, blah, blah, blah. I refuse to travel with this character ever again because that's. <sighs> the worst thing and you it's ah. that you know that's and that's what happens like either you follow my edicts or we will not travel together and it's like oh my god please all right then leave the game you know <laughs> it, like take take this this jerk face character put him on a shelf for another game where that attitude is acceptable and then bring a happy-go-lucky dude who's not Mr. Jerkface so that he can have fun with the thief and and they can be besties and run off into the sunset together. Like, you know, I think this is kind of interesting, too, because being... Uh, I, I know you're not a parent, but something I've learned being a parent is you have to be able to change in a moment's notice and to be very adaptable because anything is going to go on. You can't be rigid in what you want to do because nothing is going to go the way you planned it. And I think mm -hmm. understanding that life is random and there's chance encounters and things just go wrong and change what you set out to do. You just have to be able to be on your feet and make something different and not get upset when those changes have to happen. And, you know, this isn't just a, a parenting thing. This is just an everyday life sort of thing. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people who fall into that, I've made this concept, I'm sticking to it, could maybe learn a little bit about adaptability and knowing that the world is not what you want it to be every day when you wake up and you have specific plans. You just, you just got to change. You just got to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good yeah. stuff, and I think that you know, I, and and you know, the segment of course is about metagaming, and I think that you know there is, and, and again, it's kind of a dirty word. We didn't really talk about sort of the traditional use of metagaming, which is kind of an abusive thing, because I think that you know that has been talked about a million times, but I think that talking about the other side of it, the positive side of it, is really important because I do think that there is a place for it and to a certain extent. I was actually thinking about just to kind of turn it a little bit too, is that certain games, I believe, have a metagaming aspect brought into, built into them. And I wanted to ask you about this because you have a lot of experience with Pathfinder and specifically okay. Pathfinder Society. And I find okay. it interesting because when a combat ensues in Pathfinder, mm -hmm. it feels like the it shifts almost to, I don't want to say it's not truly metagaming, but it shifts to a, a tactical game 
rather than a role-playing game in a lot of ways. And you're overlooking a map which you wouldn't see. Right. So, you know, you have on more advanced uses of like Roll20 and stuff, we've talked about this off the air before, but if you if anybody's familiar with a lot of the online tabletop simulator kind of things, they have what's called dynamic lighting where your characters actually can't see. But for the most part, when you're using like battle maps and stuff like that, your character is able to see spaces that they couldn't normally see to perfectly tactically place spells and abilities and movements and do everything like exactly right in a way from a perspective that your character does not have. So therefore you right. kind of move into a tactical game where you are essentially metagaming because you're using your human brain and the sheet of abilities that you have and understanding the rules to move your character in the most optimum way possible rather than putting yourself in the position of my character standing in this one spot, what does my character see around them? What would they naturally do given their experience, understanding of the situation and stuff like that? Like here's a, just a one example that I think of often, often, often. If you're standing at ground level and there is a crowd in front of you, okay, just imagine a large crowd in front of you. It is impossible to tell how many there are. Beyond a certain distance, you might say there's at least 100 people, but there could be 100 people, or there could be 1,000 people, or there could be 10,000 people. You can't see because there's a thickness of crowd, which beyond which you cannot see because you're at crowd level. But when you're playing a D&D game or you are having a tactical map, you see... Oh, there's a monster here, there's a monster here, there's a monster here, there's 12 monsters running, there's a group of 12, you're fighting 12, and everybody knows and you think like in those terms. So there's like almost like a meta game built into it. And I think in a game like Pathfinder, it will, in particular Pathfinder Society, where battle maps are a critical component of the game, it's like metagaming is built into it. And we don't look at that as negative. We look at that as kind of a fun component of the game like if you enjoy that kind of stuff it's like oh you swear your brains almost switches to metagaming and nobody even talks about it you just do it you just like and we all do it like oh amanda holds up the map we all look at the map devise this perfect circle where we would optimize our abilities and we just do it and it's like totally mm -hmm. fine and the funny thing is I never, I have never actually thought of the battle map as metagaming, but you make a really good point. Because, yeah, I have the top-down omniscient view. I can see that that monster's over there, and I can literally count the squares to go, do I have enough space to charge? Wait, how how far, how, okay, one, two, three, 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 okay, so this is 60 feet. Bianca has no idea how far 60 feet is. I mean, unless I actually, like, put down tape on the floor and go, like, here's five feet, here's five feet, here's five feet, and all that kind of stuff. I, myself, don't know how to gauge distances real good. So it's just kind of like, uh, can I hit it? Whereas I'm staring at the, the map, and yeah, this thing is right next to me. Bam, I'm just gonna smack it with my sword. And, like, I was really surprised when I came to the Dragonlance table, and you don't use maps. <laughs> not having not having a map 
throws me off so much because it's like, well, wait, how do you know if people are flanking? How do you know if people are, if, if this person has enough range on the spell? That's, that's the beauty of theater of the mind. It's like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're in distance. Okay. Well, okay. Oh, no, no, no. You're not in distance. Okay. So can I use part of my turn in order to, to get close enough and then throw the fireball? Yes. Okay. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay. So there's, there's not so much bookkeeping in terms of like drawing out the map. Here's the ruined thing. Here's, here's your visibility or lack thereof. But there's definitely, it's a lot more descriptive and it's a lot more, I have to think, okay, well, I've got a, I've got an ogre right in front of me, but I look over and I see Melanora and there's an ogre in front of her. Oh no, she's squishy. Let's go, let's go attack that one. Oh, you're going to eat an, an attack of opportunity. I, I don't care. I've got <laughs> the hit points squishy. to burn. I just want to point that. <laughs> it's... It's so like the oh my god! I did not realize how how bad wizards had it in second edition because I've never played past like fourth level, and it was a fourth level rogue. Um, but that was like the highest I ever got with a character before Dragonlance. So it's like yeah, oh yeah, I know that 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 wizards have a D four, but if you roll badly with a D ten, you're warrior has a has four hit points too at level one because we didn't we didn't do the thing of max hit points in, at first level and then and then rolling after that so man she is super squishy and it's just like she's nearly died twice now and it's like no i, I look <laughs> her and her stupid look book her. looking not look at those books oh my god now the second time wasn't her fault that was the scary extra dimensional like tentacle monster that that specifically targeted her. The brain collector, yes, yeah, because yes. he was a wizard. And I know, but 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 the stupid book and tick tick, one and only teleportation, get out of jail free. And the truth comes out. It's all about tick tick losing <laughs> the teleportation. Okay, and yes, the the beauty of it is the fact that you might find another one. I don't know when. It might be a cool dice roll, but you might find another one. Yeah, maybe. I'm gonna keep. Yeah, I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed. Well, just to keep things on topic, let's wrap up our talk about metagaming. And I think that really, this the kind of the point that I was trying to make. I admit I had an agenda in talking about metagaming, and that's that it's sure. gray. It's not black and white, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that that's oh, there's a lot of things that are. You know, people want to make a, a blank statement about, but there is some good and there's some there's some bad about metagaming, and I and I would be curious to hear what other people have to say about metagaming because I think that you know we've all had many different experiences and there's different types of tables and ways that people do things. There are some tables where metagaming was totally a part of the game. You're allowed to metagame all the time, and that's just the way that you play it. So if you've got your stories about metagaming or anything else you want to talk to us about, please feel free to email us at RPGs and Baby Makes 3. We'd love to hear all about it. Well, let's wrap up this show and go to the <gasps> end of the show here. Well, that was another fantastic episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3. Bianca, it is the best episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3 that you have ever been on, and we really appreciate that. Wait a second, wait a second. We can't end yet. We haven't well, asked for the most important question of the night. We are going to ask for the most important question of the night as a part of this little end segment. 
Uh-oh. Well, I guess when you're listening to this, it might not even be night anyways. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> it, that's oh, yeah. true. It could be daytime when people are listening to but this. But you know what? My brain is hurting. Uh, so it's definitely night after a long day of baby and work. Because you're so sharp during the day. Anyway, to get Damn. on. Ow. Someone's sleeping Ow. on the couch. Oh, as long as I can sleep. <laughs> All right, well, Gretchen, do you want to ask your question? Because I know this is, you want to ask this question. And it's a good one. It's a really good question. And Bianca, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. So we want to ask you a little fun question to sort of wrap things up. And this is going to come out of nowhere for you. Come out of left field, but I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I think you can okay. handle it, Bianca. So... Okay. Thinking through all of the characters you've ever played, which mm-hmm. one is your favorite? Oh, goodness. Like, I am inclined to say one of my more recent ones, just because they're a lot fresher in my memory. But there's also my very first one that I ever played. Now, this was the black box. Dungeons and Dragons. Comes with a rule book, comes with a, a, a map. You were escaping Xanzer Tim's dungeon. Um, we didn't get very far, but I tried my best because we only did the 3d6 method. Okay. I rolled 13 for every single stat. Just 13 <laughs> right down the board. And I was just sitting there going like, what? It, yeah, you can, you can just be whatever and it's like okay her name was kika darren k-i-k-a and her last name d-e-r-r-i-n and she was a human thief and yeah i mean technically she survived but i didn't actually make it out of the dungeon so she's still in limbo she's actually a bad example because she's because i didn't really have a concept of character because i was like 10 but yeah in terms of oh gosh in terms of characters i'll say at least a top two is adriana pennington daughter of arcturus pennington rightful oh, keeper of the lands of penlar cow what a compliment to, to me having you thought you saying that i appreciate that yeah and i love her because she's 17 she yeah she got aged by a potion of speed but she's still meant she's still chronologically 17 and she is a mess and it's hard and she has the weight of all of these expectations on her shoulders and then you get a beautiful character moment of she is trying her best this is the second holy day that she has ever observed she thinks that Kiri Jolith is ready to give up on her. She thinks she is waiting for her god to hate her as much as her mother and her and the knight who trained her do. She she feels that. And then there she is on her holy day. One of the characters is going, Mm-mm, time to go, time to go. We we don't have time for this. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And so she's like, okay. I can do this. I will I will do my best. Uh, no. No. This is her holy day. She deserves to to observe it. This coming from the elf wizard in the party who is logic. She's just logic personified. She just she she makes she she kind of shoots kind of asides and stuff, but she she put, she says no. 
I'm staying here. She needs she needs three hours of solitude. I am staying here to guard her. And then Tick Tick pipes up. Mm -mm, I'm not leaving my friend. I'm staying here to guard her. These for the for anybody who's listening to this podcast, imagine a Rottweiler who is sitting on the ground and trying very hard to be a good dog. And then imagine two little chihuahuas who have stationed themselves <laughs> right next to this Rottweiler and are ready to bark magic missiles at anything that tries to touch the Rottweiler. That was the mental image I had this morning after game. And it was just, <laughs> but, but the fact that two of the characters of the group were so ready to go, mm -mm. Addie's, Observe religious observances matter more than progressing. We don't care about timelines. She is more important to us. And that was that was a deeply touching moment. And it was just kind of I know that I am so far up Addie's butt every single time I'm writing her. She's she's she her self-esteem is is in the toilet nine times out of ten. But for her to get that that validation and for her to get this is this is the moment that she sees just how much she means to people not as a human shield not as someone to to get punched in the face so that somebody else doesn't get punched in the face these people care about her these people she matters to these people and that's really really hard to ignore well, that's so awesome. And, you know, we talked about at the very beginning about how characters become so vivid. And we talked about that during the note-taking segment as well. And it's really interesting because those things have developed over time. Like, you think back in early in the campaign. So this this is now, that was session 45. And you think early in the campaign, Tick Tick had an animal companion that died. And kind of nobody really cared. Mr. Ruff-Ruff! Oh, oh, God. <laughs> Nobody really cared, but Addie came over and gave Tick-Tick a hug and helped bury the dog. And then later in the campaign, when Melanora needed to do her test of high sorcery, and Addie was there for to help her go through that process and to, you know, be a part of helping her to achieve her goal. And then now, like, those create those bonds that feel really real. Like, they're, like, in the story. They are the story that we have collectively told to each other together that it, it is, it's, you can't, it, it's not fake. It's, I mean, I know it's imaginary, but it's not fake. It's real. Like, these characters become real like that. And so a moment like that is the result of those previous moments, like, leading up to that, where it's like, yes, the high elf, the snooty high elf, who calls Addie, Addie the human. <laughs> yes. Decides to stay behind. The, the, the high elf wizard who has mm -hmm. apprehension about Tick Tick being able to cast spells as a bard, <laughs> you know, is there... Oh, 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 
I, I'm pretty sure that Elf Wizard has fully loaded Tick Tick spellbook in exchange for some other things. So not too much apprehension. <laughs> yeah, well, an orb of dragon kind will get you a lot of spells in return. But the, but yeah, but those. I mean, I think that's that's and, and you know, Tick Tick is kind of the perpetual go along with everybody and be everybody's good friend. But I think that there is that bond. There has been a bond between Tick Tick and Addie that whole time. And I think, you know, I, I just think that's such a great story. And it's it's the kind of story and it's the reason why, at least for me, that I play these games because those are those kind of things where you just develop those really precious and serious moments that they're so awesome and they're so real and they feel so cool like they're just these great little moments that i don't know they're they're these we just are telling these stories and they mean something beyond just the game i think and and that's really cool so i think we're going to end the episode now that's a great thank you for telling us thank you for that that's a compliment to me that you're one of your favorite characters is is a game one from my game. I will admit that I might. I, I tend to like my newest character is always like my favorite character because I just love playing so many different ones. So they, there is that recency bias for me as well. But thank you so much, Bianca, for Yay! coming on the show today. We appreciate it. And um, you know, Gretchen, you want to say anything? No, I mean you've been a fantastic person to sit down and talk to, and. I know usually we don't have a lot of time to go over personal stuff and ask mm -hmm. these questions. So it's been great being able to sit down and kind of learn more about your process and who you are outside of the game. And, you know, I, I also, of course, really love hearing how people have started out and the fact that you still remember your character, which you made when you were 10 years old. I can't even remember what I did this week. And it's just amazing to me that you can go back that far. And the D&D &D has been such an integral part of your life. Or gaming has been such an integral part of your life. And, uh, and I, I guess I'm really excited to be able to be a part of that adventure. So... I'm just pleased as punch that you guys invited me along on your <laughs> podcast. I've been, I've been listening and I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been commenting... I you have been. I appreciate it. Yes, you have. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if you knew if you knew who I was because um because my YouTube uh channel isn't a standard username for me. But yeah, um I've been I've been listening. I've been commenting, and I've been wow. Okay, I hadn't thought of this, and we're like, well, what about this, that, and the other, and that kind of thing. So, being on the show, it's it's nice to be able to to interact with you guys directly. And like you said, it's like I don't I don't get to spend time with you guys outside of game all that much. You guys are you guys are parents. You guys are you guys are artists. You guys are very busy with your lives. And, and we're all in a pandemic too. So that you know we've kind of gotten a lot closer to you in the last year. <laughs> kind of a slight <laughs> issue not being able to actually hang out in person. Mm -hmm. uh, but it really has been a, a real pleasure having you on, Bianca, and, and we, we definitely want to have you back on because I, I think it's been a great conversation. So anytime, you are more than welcome at RPGs and Baby Mix 3. Yay. And let's let's go to bed, shall we, Gretchen? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm pooped. <laughs> Wait, um, is tomorrow morning my morning? It is. It is. Oh, boy. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, let's go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. Uh, yeah, thank you Ace so much, plans. Bianca. Quickly. And, um, and again, we'll play this little tidbit at the end, but if you have any comments on any of the stuff or you want to talk, send compliments of Bianca's expertise to us. You can do so at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening, all of you. And if you made it this far, you 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 made a, you, you got a critical success. I don't know what to tell you. You made your proficiency. <laughs> Congratulations. Yay. RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash RPGs and Baby Makes 3.